0: All right, welcome to this edition of Inside Michigan Business. On this episode, we're joined by a gentleman with no shortage of opinion and viewpoint as it relates to economic development policy here in our state of Michigan. He currently serves in the role of VP for Economic Development at Wayne State University, and he's president and CEO of TechTown. In his spare time, well, he serves on the boards of the Detroit Economic Growth Corporation, the Michigan Community Resources the regional transit authority of southeast michigan and the city of detroit mayor sustainability advisory commission who is he he's none other than ned stabler ned welcome to inside michigan business hey thanks for having me this yeah. is great yeah we've known each other a long time and and i'm i'm not getting what i say you've been in it a while in the private sector first ned right entrepreneurially and then now the public sector ned tell us about kind of your current role give us a little background on your experience and then we'll get into some uh question and answer here. With you. Sure. So I'm fortunate or
1: unfortunate enough, depending on how you look at it, to have two jobs. So uh, I am the president and CEO at TechTown Detroit, the, the the biggest and oldest business service organization in the city. Uh, and I also am the vice president uh, for economic development at Wayne right. State. So I have to kind of wear a couple of hats. And those are just the nine to five or seven to seven, you know, jobs uh, out there. So, uh, you know, our, our job really is to create equitable equitable growth. You know, how do we make sure that everybody in and around Detroit is got access to uh, the resources they need to yeah. participate in this new economy that we've yeah.
0: got? Yeah. Tell us, you know, from your view, sitting where you sit with TechTown, what's kind of the essence of its purpose and its place in the world? The raison d'etre of TechTown is what? You know, it's funny. It's it's pivoted a bunch it, over it the has, years. has, and that's why I asked the question. Yeah. yeah you Just to- when you think you haven't figured it out.
1: Oh, believe me, like I, I never think I have it figured yeah, out. Of like, course. Uh, no one know.
0: ever figures out entrepreneurship. I guess no. until you're able to look back and, and Monday Maybe. morning, quarterback back and say, see, I was right, or I should have done that. It's definitely easier in <laughs> right, hindsight, right? right? And
1: you can certainly craft a narrative. Well, we uh, we planned to do this.
0: <laughs> of which, course. Sure, that's how it happened. Well, we know pivoting is a key hallmark of being a great entrepreneur. So tell us, where it have is. you pivoted to with TechTown today? So TechTown
1: started to commercialize technology out of Wayne State and Henry Ford Health System. Like, that was that was why it started. And then pretty quickly, it expanded beyond those two sort of sources of intellectual property and became sort of the smart zone for the city of Detroit. Uh, and then almost, gosh, more than 10 years ago now, uh, we expanded to, uh, supporting folks beyond tech. So in a, in, you know, a, a normal year now, 80, 85% of our businesses that we work with aren't tech businesses at all. So last year we worked with 1300 businesses.
0: Wow. Yeah. It's and been... when you say you work with them doing what?
1: So it could be as, as little as, you know, putting on uh entrepreneurial education series, and, like, webinars on how to, how, to, how to build a website or do e-commerce or, you know, things like that for a brick-and-mortar business. That's been so important in the last oh couple my God. of years. That's
0: everything, right? Uh, yeah. So yeah. we're doing a
1: ton of that kind of stuff. But it could be, you know, we have uh, three or four accelerators and incubator programs, uh, both on the tech and non-tech side. That we, we work through that it might be an eight week or a 12 week, depending on the program, like where you come in and, you know, we work with you on how to get your business up and going or get open in brick and mortar or to raise money or, you know, whatever sure, it is for your sure. particular business.
0: And so it's supported by
1: who? Basically anybody what? I can get to support it. So financially, financially. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, we've got two main sources of revenue. So our, we have a building, so we have a 135,000 square foot facility that we rent out pre COVID. We had about 220,000 people coming in every year wow. for events yeah, and you know, things it's a, like it's that. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It was very cool. COVID has been a little weird. I'm sure um, and we okay. dropped from, you know, hundred percent occupied with a waiting list to like 60%, but we're full again. Uh, now and back to having a waiting list. The world is starting to come back to the office and things like that. Yep. So, um, yeah. So that's one chunk of revenue from it. So the other piece of the revenue is uh, grant money. So philanthropy or state or federal grants. So we've got an annually about $11, $12 million budget and about 8 or $9 million of it is, is coming from philanthropy in one, one way or another
0: uh, from philanthropy. What about, uh, government? Some government. Some.
1: So we, 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 have gotten a little bit of money from the state Mm -hmm. over the years. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is part of why I'm saying we need to do more of this work. Sure. You know, I think we got a hundred thousand dollars or so a year for Mm. the last few years. Mm. Uh, and, uh, the feds, we were were fortunate enough to receive three different federal grants last year, uh, as, as more of the, you know, the art money sort of starts to flow through. There's more federal opportunities in this, but most of it has been from philanthropy. Yeah. And
0: how do you measure success with a program like this?
1: It's hard. It is hard. It is hard. So there's, you know, we have tons of metrics. I love numbers. I love to be always sort of know where we are. So we have a bunch of internal metrics that we measure to make sure that operationally we're doing well, yeah. that we're uh, uh, making enough money to keep the, the lights on, sure. uh, that we're, we're paying people, that our retention rates are good, that kind of stuff. But then from our, we have a bunch of client success metrics as well. So some of it is, uh, you know, basic economic development type metrics. How many new businesses started? How much how much how much money have they raised? What's their revenue increase? Uh, how many people have they hired? You know that kind of stuff.
0: Okay, so give us some meat on the bones here. Tell us about you know whether just pick a couple of stories to share that you're particularly proud of or you know fond of, and that really speak to the purpose and the the success of the tech town program, man, there's so many, so many, it's like
1: pick your favorite children. Of course. Um, No, I understand, but but, that's
0: the good news. Yeah. Uh, No, that's great. So
1: just off the top of my head, you know, I can think back a few years to a guy who came in, uh, he was an engineer at Bosch. He'd been engaged involved in a gun gun safety incident when he was younger involved a family member, and he'd always wanted to make a biometric or, you know, something around gun safety. I actually
0: heard about that deal. Yeah. So there okay. you go. So that permeated great. all the way to, you know, like I'm mm-hmm. aware of that deal, uh, yeah. that, that success story. That's when he great. showed up, he had yeah.
1: a sketch on a piece of paper wow. of a biometric gun lock, and, you know, now you can buy it in Cabela's. Uh, right,
0: exactly. Which is super cool. And your role, your organization's role in fostering that yeah. all the way through to now being the success story we know it to be today, being a Cabela's and so on in retail. Um, what did you guys do for him? Oh man. So roughly,
1: yeah, a a ton of stuff. So first of all, he, he, he worked out of our space, uh, and had a mailbox there and all that, but we also helped him with fundraising, uh, to get him going. We helped him with prototyping, like finding people. Uh, we, we helped him access, uh, state money that would help pay for some of that prototyping work. Um, at one point I connected him with his sales team. Uh, I had met a guy who, uh, uh, was a VP of sales for a big, big, you know, uh, uh, International telecom company and was looking for a small startup to work with, mm-hmm. and so we helped do sales for him, yeah. help him in some of this.
0: Yeah, and you talk about you know him having a place to go do his mm-hmm. business at uh, your place in this case, um, you know that there, that's really important beyond the obvious, not just for the practical to have a place to do your work, to meet people, and so on. But there's a certain it's really it's something amazing being in a culture like that where you've got people around you trying to achieve the same kinds of things that you are, and you can share ideas and learn from one another and getting inspired and, and challenged, you know, and commiserate all those things that, you know, cause entrepreneurship by nature can be very lonely. And, And when you think, Oh my God, I had some bad luck today. And of course there's lots of bad luck to go around when it comes to starting a small business, quote unquote, bad luck. Um, you know, uh, it can be really helpful to have someone sitting next to you say, you know, I had that same thing. And what I did is I did this. And, ah, that's a good idea. You went through that and that's the way you solved it. Yeah. I Having a it.
1: community yeah. around you community. is, is so key. And that's one of the things that, that, that we build at Tech Town that I'm really proud of is that, you know, when you have a couple hundred thousand people coming in the door uh, and you've got, you know, at any given time in our co working space that had 600 members, right before COVID. Now it's probably 400 or so.
0: Um,
1: There's always 15 or 20 people around. There's always an event happening where a funder or uh, 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 maybe a strategic partner or uh, a client or someone is going to be there or just someone else to tell you it's all right, man. Yeah, <laughs> Let's absolutely. get a cup of coffee and that we'll counts. figure it out.
0: That really counts. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to talk about, you love numbers and measuring things and everything. That's obviously a bit amorphous to be able to get your oh, arms around and measure. I tried but, oh for my so God. long. Yeah, so that's why uh, I know how many people came yeah, through the door because yeah. I put
1: a retail traffic counter in uh, oh. because I couldn't, I wanted to measure what we called serendipitous collisions, uh, right? There but there I go. couldn't figure out how to do that. So I figured the proxy would be the change in the number of people coming in the door. Interesting. Just assuming if more people were there, there'd be more of those. And, and right before COVID, I was toying with the, do we put one of those one question surveys on the way out? Yes or no. Uh, did you meet someone uh-huh, new today uh-huh. or did you talk to someone? Sure. And, sure. Uh, we might, we might end up doing that when, uh, things get a little bit back to normal.
0: Here. Yeah, that's exciting. Now, beyond your role at Tech Town or really, uh, from your role, from your, uh, uh, position at Tech Town, you, um, And and you've got a strong educational background in this, but you have strong views on what Michigan needs to be doing. I know you're quite outspoken. I see you in the press occasionally. Look, it got you all the way here to be on the Inside Michigan Business Podcast. exactly. And look, you do have strong views. uh, And and so I'd love to hear some of the things you think Michigan's doing right right now and some things we need to be doing differently or better uh, you know, to really achieve the kind of goals we're looking for,
1: please. I, I do. I'm not shy. I, no, you I are have, not shy. I have lots uh, of strong opinions right, about stuff right. but, I, but I also, I will say that the, my, my opinions are based on experience and they're based on data. Um, I'm not afraid to change opinions and I have many times over the years said, okay, this used to work and doesn't work anymore. This and that. So when you ask what we're doing now that works, uh, you know, I think we've done a pretty decent job recognizing that Uh, the internal combustion engine is going the way of the dinosaur and that electric vehicles and batteries are the way of the future. Um, And so I think the state focusing a lot on that is important and we're going to need to do more of that. And that has implications from workforce to um, materials, to uh, education, to all sorts of stuff uh, that we need to do. What we're not doing right um, is understanding the nuances there. So production, you know, historically Michigan has been uh, a production place, of course, right? That's
0: the, uh, that's called the auto industry. It was it, all about production.
1: You know, it is. And historically you created a job and it was a, you know, a job in a factory right, manufacturing. And, yeah. And yeah. it paid 60, 70, right. $80,000 a year in right. 1985. Right. Right. And you know, you had a really nice life like that. Right. Those jobs are gone and they're not mm-hmm. just gone from Michigan. They're gone from everywhere. Mm-hmm. So we have 30% fewer production jobs in Michigan than we did 20 years ago, but there are 25% fewer across the country. You know, we think, oh, they're all going to Tennessee. No, they're not. They they have 25%
0: fewer of <laughs> right, those
1: jobs, too. Right. And those jobs don't pay anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the median wage on that stuff is like 20 bucks an hour.
0: Right. Uh, and you Michigan. probably mentioned
1: Tennessee because that's in the battery
0: production. Yeah, from Ford, Ford yeah, went there. Yeah, t- Tennessee and Kentucky, uh, there's a lot but, of news about that. Right, but you would argue, I don't want to say so what, but yeah. you would argue kind of so what. I, that's not where our focus needs to be.
1: Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I would kind of argue so what. So what, what? And then, right. Look, it needs to be an and Uh, uh, situation. Now, normally, I would argue that anytime you do something from a policy perspective, from a resource, you spend money on something, there's an opportunity cost. You can't spend that money on something else right now. We have a ton of money. I mean, the feds, the feds have thrown $12 billion at us. So we really can right. spend a billion on this and a billion on that. And we do need, you know, production jobs and keeping that here is course, important for some reasons. Sure. And you don't want to leave people behind because not everyone is going to be right. whatever. But having said that, if I had to choose between a production job in electric vehicles or a, a lab job in, you know, the, 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 intel announcement that just went to columbus which is a fab a lab to fab lab fabrication where they're making chips over the next few years they're going to build this massive facility there Mm -hmm. i would choose the 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 lab aspect of that any day of the week those jobs pay 60 80 hundred thousand dollars starting rivian for example this is my big big uh, case study i always say rivian was here for 15 years And or twelve, whatever it is, you know, Rivian's making electric trucks. Sure. Not as many as they would like, but sure, they're making sure. electric trucks. Yep. And they raised six or seven billion dollars here in Michigan. People say, "Oh, we don't, we can't raise money here." Now You can raise money here. You got an idea. They raised money from Google and Amazon. Right, the and money Ford. came here. Right. the money was yeah. happy to come here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But they couldn't hire people here, mm-hmm. and they very quietly left, and their headquarters moved to not low tax Texas or Florida, whatever. They moved to California. And when you ask them why, they were very clear because I can hire the talent we need to grow our business there.
0: It's a different kind of talent required to grow Mm -hmm. that required to produce product like that design product like that. Um, and to innovate, you know, so that you continue to move the ball down the field in terms of capability and practicality, uh, in the vehicles themselves, so that you get to the price points you need to be to make it a, you know, mass production kind of opportunity. And, And so these higher paying jobs, I mean, there's no question those are the kinds of people we want to attract into the state. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, of course, you got to have the jobs available to them uh, if they want to consider coming here. So,
1: absolutely. But here's the, here's a here's a little known fact. People don't know this. Do you know how many jobs there are open in the state of Michigan right well, now? Well, right now,
0: there's probably a good number of jobs. I don't know. 100,000.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know how many there were in 2019 before COVID? 200,000. Yeah.
0: So, what? Okay.
1: There have been 200,000 jobs open in this state for about 10 years. Since the Great Recession. But are these the kinds it, of
0: jobs we're talking about right now? More than
1: a third of them are. Really? More than a third. There are more than 100,000 jobs in Michigan right now that require a college degree that are open. And that's always been 50,000, 60,000. Um, is, this is the rub. And, and if you think about it, I'm going to ask you to think about, your, your, about the economy a little bit differently, is that those open jobs are available because businesses say, based on my current revenue levels— I can afford to hire these people to service my current book of business and or I want to grow. I see an opportunity, mm-hmm. so I'm hiring more people to mm-hmm. expand my mm-hmm. revenue. Yep. And the fact that I can't fill those jobs mm. is putting pressure, downward pressure, on their revenue. Now, so think about that. Some amount of churn is normal. In a bigger economy, that's fine. But to a large extent, what you're seeing is drag, economic drag. Because they can't fill so they fill those jobs to grow or support their existing. Relatives. And the
0: disconnect is where?
1: The disconnect is there aren't enough people They're, here. Uh-huh. There's a hundred thousand jobs open for people with a college degree mm-hmm. and people in Michigan. There aren't enough of us that have a college degree and people don't want to come here. We're like last in the country, bottom five for migration. We're good actually at keeping people. The quality of life here is great. Once it's you've amazing. been here, right. you want to stick around. Right. We're actually in the top in keeping people but we're in the bottom of getting people to come. Whereas Boston, San Francisco, New York, those places, L.A., Denver, people are flooding in there.
0: Those are hard places to compete with. And it's not just for jobs Uh Uh because the jobs
1: are available here. Now, look, there's some perception that there's opportunity, but a ton of it is for quality of life, transit, walkable urbanism.
0: And so those are the reasons that you think that people are not entertaining the idea of coming here or not you know hip on coming here it's
1: not it's not what i think this is what they say this when you is what ask they say. them like the, the 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 cities that that they're going to you know first of all you can just measure where are people going and then you can go and ask them why why are you going to denver why are you going to la and the answer is uh their walkable urbanism there's 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 cultural amenities, mm-hmm. there's restaurants, mm-hmm. there's coffee shops, there's yep. nightlife, yep. there's vibrancy. Well, of course,
0: Detroit's come a long way. The city has in that respect. It's got pockets of that, neighborhoods of that, communities of that around the city. And and uh, and then uh, and then the suburbs, you know, I think are all focused. I This whole notion of walkable community, having a Main Street presence, mm-hmm. having a diversity of merchants and shops mm-hmm. and restaurants and nightclubs and so on, or, you know, bars for people to go to and enjoy uh, the local experience, um, I mean, th- th- those are, I mean, we have a lot of the ingredients that people are looking for. I think maybe, is it an issue of not marketing it effectively? There's some of that. But the reality
1: is there's, there's less of it here than there is in those other places. I mean, we're better yeah. than we were. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. But if you look, I mean, there really is a mathematical relationship between the number of gyms and home goods stores and restaurants yeah. where, with where people are going. And we're just not there yet. You know, we're way better than we were. But you know, even driving around Detroit, which feels—I mean—in Midtown Detroit, three hundred businesses opened mm-hmm. in, in the three years before COVID and mm-hmm. four years before COVID. Right? We could fit another three hundred more, right? Like it just—it oh, it needs a ton some, more. Yeah, yeah you know, d- you, you, it does. You don't walk around Denver or or San Francisco or Boston and say. Man, look at all these empty storefronts and, and burned out whatever. Yeah,
0: But is that who we have to compete with or is it the Pittsburghs, the Clevelands? And have the... you been to Pittsburgh lately? Yeah, no, P- Pittsburgh's hot. Columbus.
1: I... Okay, so... Minneapolis. So... Those places are building transit. Mm-hmm. Many, they're building streetcars mm-hmm. and the walkable urbanism that comes along with it. That, that's who we're competing with and that's yeah. who we're losing against. And that's why I say we're, we need to focus on the right fight. We're not fighting with the American South for production jobs. Because they're losing too, mm. Georgia, South Carolina, Mississippi are getting poorer too. We're fighting with Colorado, Washington, Virginia, uh, yeah. Minnesota, those
0: states. Yeah, to get marketing executives, to get yeah. uh, uh, to get engineers and to get innovators and researchers that are that yeah. come here. That's what makes you know uh, for a. Uh, uh, a great economy, ultimately, and a cool culture on top of it. And that all kind of feeds on itself and makes for a great place to live. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is it, um, I mean, without, I don't want to get political, and we don't need to talk about current leadership, but just in general, Michigan's leadership over the last few years, regardless of which administration was in (laughs) office at any given time, just kind of leading up here over the last 10, 20 years, Is it, is it an issue of our leadership not recognizing that or where, where, again, where are we falling down here specifically
1: and how do we change it? So, so what's interesting about it is absolutely it's a political problem because we've chosen as a society to fix our problems through politics, right? That we're going to come together. But so is Denver. Exactly. So So it's a political problem for us. Here, specifically. But it's not a partisan one. So it's not that. Oh, Republicans get it and Democrats don't or right, vice versa. Right. Frankly, most politicians on both sides of the aisle don't get it. There are some on both sides that do. So I don't want to paint everybody with the big brush, but there hasn't been the um, uh, sort of coalescing around this um, from enough people on both sides to recognize the severity of this problem um, because we're still doing the same things uh, that we've been doing for 40 years under both in both parties um, that that probably were only barely working still thirty or forty years ago, and now are not really relevant anymore. Our first knee-jerk reaction is to go back to what we've always done and just do more of it for sure, better. Sure. And that's it's it's not working anymore. It's not going to.
0: Yeah. So let's let's um let's let's break this down a little bit further and I'll give you an opportunity to uh go into the candy store and pick one or two things that you Ooh, see. Yeah. My favorite. So your favorite thing. So here yeah. we go. Uh, let's look at the entrepreneurial community, the startup community. Um, what are a couple of things, if you could pick off the shelf, a couple of things that you'd like to see, uh, uh, as ingredients that you'd like to throw into the community there to help, uh, uh ignite it even further.
1: Yep. So I always say you got to walk before you can run. And you know, when, when you start thinking about, oh, we want these high growth, high tech businesses, which are, you you can see it right there. Areas of the country that have more of those are doing better. True, right. Of course. Um, yeah. but to get them, you need the people that can work in them and start them and grow them to be there. And they want to be in mm-hmm. places that have lots of that walkable urbanism. so for from a, from an economic development perspective, in most places in the state, I think you need to start with the non-tech businesses. You need to fill up those commercial corridors with mm-hmm. restaurants and coffee shops mm-hmm. and and stores and you know, services, getting to that walkable stuff. community, great place yeah. to live, main Street, some culture, community uniqueness uh, and, and, yeah. and the medc over the last mm-hmm. 20 years has done a really good job of creating smart zones to support mm-hmm. tech businesses you know they're not perfect we could fix them in mm-hmm. tech down is one of them we could do things better but they don't have a comprehensive plan uh for the all the other businesses in the state uh governor whitmer in her last budget proposed uh something called uh small business smart zones sort of mm-hmm. expanding the definition of smart zones so that Anyone starting a business, any entrepreneur, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of whether you've got intellectual property or you're, you're doing dry cleaning, <laughs> can go and get the support they need right. to open up in Michigan. And I think that is a brilliant idea. Good. So you're supportive
0: of that. And Absolutely. You're seeing, and we're seeing it work. We are. We're, we seeing, are seeing, we're seeing it, seeing it yep. work
1: right right in Detroit sure. and various commercial corridors sure. around the state.
0: Okay. So that's kind of something you'd love to see, love to see. For, the, for the entrepreneurial community. Um, what about the, how do you feel about the, the venture and, and angel and, you know, financing mm-hmm. community here? What do we need more of or to do differently in that yeah, respect? So, so ventures actually, you know,
1: and you know, this being, you know, an sure. expert in this, this okay. space, we have a very different venture community than we did 20 years ago.
0: Um, Un- unbelievable. The 300 million, a few to have 10 years ago and yeah. now, you know, 3 billion. Right. No, I would management. argue that 3 billion is probably yeah. more like yeah. two. Okay. I will take argue, it. Yeah. <laughs> I could argue
1: with the Michigan venture <laughs> right. capital right. association with right. that. But right. Wait, there's a Michigan Venture Capitalist? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 20 years ago, there wasn't one of those, exactly, right? So, exactly, exactly. Um, it's come a long way, and that's great. And I think the state has had a huge part of that through a variety of the 21st Century Jobs Fund or Venture Michigan Fund. We could do more of that. The fund of funds and, and, and investment funds to co-invest alongside of things. And the beauty of those is they can be done in a way that make returns, right? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that actually provide a, a return, whether it's the Michigan Strategic Fund or something else. Yeah. Um, you just have to have people who, who know the investment side of it doing it. Um, so I, I think that's another way. If you, if you said to me, all right, you're the King for the day. Uh, I would definitely put a chunk of this ARPA money into, uh, another fund of funds to invest in early stage
0: investment companies. And one of the, you know, it was really critical that the, the funds were based here uh, a while. It's always important that your funds are based here, but, um, we're also getting a lot of. We're no longer that flyover state. Mm-hmm. We're getting, especially the the Ann Arbor community, mm-hmm. gets a lot of attention from outside the state with respect to venture capital dollars coming into the state now. And that's that's very impactful as well. And and uh, uh, I know I know that's always something we want to see more of.
1: Absolutely, and I think I think investors now are realizing that they need to get out of their coastal enclaves because you can, you can find really good valuations in what used to be considered flyover places. Right. And frankly, flying is not that hard (laughs) to go out for a board meeting or whatnot. Of course. Well, now even the the zoom tools (laughs) Uh, and all the rest. Yeah. um, But when you exit, you know, Google doesn't care if they're buying a company in Michigan, no. Minneapolis, or, or right. Menmo Park, right? Right. right. They can, uh, uh, they'll pay the price they got to pay. Of course. And if you got it in 30% cheaper. I you're was going to say, frankly, you're going to pay less here, likely. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for lots of reasons,
0: yeah. That, that Evalu- helps the valuations are typically lower here uh, versus the coastal yep. uh, startups. Yeah, no question about that. Um, well, well, that's good. And then w- what about government, local, city, yeah. statewide? So we've been starving city governments. Tell our tell our politicians the way they need to be thinking if yeah. we really want to get somewhere with the, the economic development here.
1: Well, remember what I said is that people want to go live in nice places, right? And we've been starving city uh, cities and municipal municipal governments for thirty thirty plus years, literally robbing them of billions of dollars to balance the state budget while we've been cutting taxes and lancing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as a result, you're looking at parks that haven't been kept up library systems that are poor transit that doesn't exist, you know, the uh, garbage that only gets picked up, you know, what, no recycling, whatever it is, right. All the municipal services, police, fire, safety, lights, roads. Oh my Lord. You know, all this stuff that we count on in our communities to work, to be nice, that that quality of life we've been underinvesting in them for 30 years. And so as a result, um, you know, They're just not, a lot of them aren't that nice anymore. They're, they're, they're run out. You know what? We need nice things. We can have nice things. Of course. If we reinvest in our cities and, and Lansing shouldn't try to say, you know what we need in Battle Creek or Battle Harbor. No, 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 The people there know what they need. They, people there know what they want. So, you know, put some of that money back into the local communities, um, uh, to do placemaking work. The MEDC recently came out with something called the RAP, revitalization and placemaking fund. I think it's like a hundred million dollars. Um, Indiana just did the same thing, five hundred million dollars. Mm. We should be doing a billion dollars, right? We should be doing more and better than
0: everybody else in this space. Right. And what about sectors? Let's talk about sectors. Mm. What are you, where, are, there, are there certain sectors emerging? It's clearly a mobility, yep. healthcare. Um but yep. what other are there, are there other things that we should be aware of and be thinking about it and put yeah. some focus on?
1: So, for, for one thing, I'm not a huge fan of, like, picking a set, you know, blah, blah, sure. blah. Especially nowadays, because I'm not sure sometimes whether something is a fintech or a cybersecurity <laughs> of course, play. Of there's a lot of blend. Or, and yeah, it, and bl- it changes A blurring times. of the lines, right. Yeah, you think you're doing right, something right. that's a game, and suddenly right. you realize, right. actually, this is an edtech right. thing. Right. You of know, we People are going to use this for whatever. So, I mean, that's all you know, hard for me to say, but I do think we often think about mobility, you know, we're the motor city. So, you know, cars, cars,
0: cars, I mean, cars, we gotta, be, we've gotta be in, in the mobility game I and mean, we've gotta be the leader in the game. I, I would think, I mean, for lots of reasons,
1: but we're also the leader in the mortgage space and, you know, FinTech. I mean, how many mortgage companies are there here now because of, you know, Quicken and, and all that, that happened here, uh, the financial, uh, uh, news space, you know, that's the, the in FinTech more generally. Um, I, I think there's just a ton of, you know, Uh, GM says they're a software company now, and I think that has to be part of our change in thinking. Is it even in mobility?
0: Yeah.
1: It's not really about, you know, the propulsion system. That's a little bit of a, of a commodity now, but the the software that goes on the platform and that spins out saying, okay, how do we entertain consumers and how do we move people's information or whatever around? Whether it's in a car or on their phone or in the implanted right. chip in their head, that's coming at some right. point. I'm and sure. That, and that's
0: our uh, part of our emergence from a production-oriented uh, yeah. uh, economy to a tech one. Yeah, really. And again, it's blurring of the lines. It's a lot of the same kind of stuff. You still have to produce the cars. You got to produce them efficiently and effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but you've got all the bells and whistles have to be produced. And today, it's uh, in the tech that's Absolutely. on the automobile. Yeah, wh- whether it's whether it's that move to autonomous, move to electric, or just enhancing the in-car experience, you know, yeah, uh, for, entertainment for entertainment or exactly. selling ads exactly. or better searches or, or navigation, nav, right? yeah, exactly. sure. all, all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, it's what's one thing that's interesting to me, we talk about sectors and I agree with mm-hmm. you. I think sectors really emerge around success stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, largely you've got the duo security unicorn, yeah. then two multi-billion dollar exit story in Ann Arbor, uh, one stream in Rochester, it's mm-hmm. been quiet, uh, but all of a sudden, wow, you know, that's a, yeah. that's a big deal. Um, uh, and, and that's not, you know, an, in a typical sector that we would, if we were to sit here and say, let's pick our sectors. These, these are the kinds of companies that fall outside at StockX. you know, yeah. again, doesn't fall into a typical sector here. Uh, it's I still under, don't understand that company, but okay, I, well, sure. I'm not cool. Hey, enough. <laughs> here's all you got to understand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Multi-billion dollar market cap, there you go. uh, you know, lots of entrepreneurial go. energy yeah. around that deal and, and likely headed. I mean, when you've got Dan's uh, capital and team and, mm-hmm. and smarts around a company like that. It's obviously headed to big success. It'll be another great story here. And the cool thing about that one in particular, unlike, say, a Duo Security or OneStream, both important companies, both amazing success stories. But those are B2B. StockX mm-hmm. has really emerged as one of our first really, uh, aside from the mortgages and the pizza and all the rest that we've been able to do sure. here, StockX has emerged as a really cool B2C company. Uh, and that changes things a bit here. It's not just about B2B. It's not just about back a house you know it's yeah, also uh you know touch points to the to the consumer public directly mm-hmm. and that when you have consumer brands like that that can help with uh branding image in the region too.
1: Absolutely. You would have thought you know given uh, our legacy in auto and the fact that we've had to try to sell people cars for however long that we'd be really good at at that and I think we've struggled Isn't that a amazing? little bit. Right. Yeah. Let's go back to duo for example, because there's a great, there's a great example of the problem that, that I mentioned is that, so duo grows up in Ann Arbor Ann Arbor is a small ish town, 120,000 people and made a conscious decision not to grow unlike an Austin or a Columbus or Mm -hmm. others that Mm -hmm. said, yeah, we we can grow. That'd Mm -hmm. be cool. Um, and as a result, duo struggled to get enough people to continue to grow their business. So, you know, I spent a lot of time talking with Doug song and, you know, they ended up opening up in Detroit. You know, he said he couldn't get people from Oakland County to come out to Ann Arbor. That magical I-275 wall um, wouldn't get people there. So he figured he'd open Detroit up, but he still couldn't get enough people in this market to grow. So most of his growth is happening outside of Michigan. And, yeah, we have wealth here, and that's great. But wouldn't it be great if you also got to hire another 5,000 people in Southeast Michigan?
0: Unbelievable. And all the spin-off that comes from that. Exactly. Uh, I because mean, you know, five way. of them are going right. to leave. I mean, Doug right. didn't
1: right. just start at Duo. He was at Barracuda and he was right. at Arbor Networks and all that kind of stuff. And that's how it works, right? That's how Somebody it works. Somebody else is going to leave Duo and create something we've not even thought about that's yet. That's
0: absolutely how it works. And you got to hope that that money and that mm-hmm. um, you know entrepreneurial spirit stays here. Yep. Uh, and creates the next set of companies from that. That was the classic Hewlett Packard story in Silicon Valley. Yep. And 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 maybe Doug Song, maybe OneStream, maybe StockX, maybe yep. a combination, all of all the above, and the others. Uh, you know, those are the companies that are going to lead us into a a, a new future, uh, that bright shiny future with all those walkable yes. communities and uh, the higher paying jobs and uh, and all that goes with the, the, yep. that kind of success. That's amazing. You you um, I want to uh, before we wrap up, I want to just talk about uh, a program called Hatch. Yes. Y- you, you, you have some news. Uh, about Absolutely. Hatch. Yeah. So
1: Hatch Detroit is the city's premier retail concept contest. Been around 10 years, sponsored by Comerica, uh, does a big event every year, and awards to the best retail concept in the city, a $100,000 prize. Um, and uh, earlier this year, Hatch merged into TechTown, is now part of TechTown. Um, and we have just launched the Hatch 22, 2022 competition. Applications are open through May 12th-ish. Uh, go to techtowndetroit.org or hatchdetroit.org, and you can uh, you can find out information there. Uh, but yeah, we're going to announce uh, the next great retail concept in Detroit. It's going to win a hundred thousand dollars, and then get a ton of wraparound services to help it open up in the city.
0: And you're you're a real advocate for um, really focusing on Main Street uh, mm-hmm. development enhancement, and of course, retail is the cornerstone uh, yeah. of any significant Main Street. You tell us, why is this so important?
1: Yeah, sure. So that's why Hatch ended up merging with TechTown is that, you know, we've been so focused on retail for a long time. They're focused on retail. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we run a program called Retail Boot Camp. We have a, a 313 Strong program. It's all about providing those sort of wraparound technical assistance to businesses. How do you build out a space? How do you do the financing around that? How do you budget appropriate? How do you do merchandising and marketing and now e-commerce and, you know, multi-channel and all that because it creates not only jobs and investment in communities, but amenities, right? You want to live in a neighbor. It's all well and good to have a $50,000 house if, but if you had to drive five miles to get a cup of coffee or do your laundry or, you know, I don't know, yeah. whatever, Why don't you just go, it's worth living, Some paying a little more to live somewhere else. Right. So let's rebuild the commercial corridors uh, in in those communities so that people have really cool stuff in their neighborhoods and they don't want to leave. They want to be able to walk to their business, you know. So okay, you told me I was going to get to be king for a day. (laughs) Okay, there you go. Take this stuff, and I want to do that because there's one thing that if I were king, it's always dangerous when
0: you tell somebody that. But go ahead. Yeah, I always joke. Here we go. I
1: always joke when there's when when they're going to have an election for king. I'm going to run for that. There we go. I don't think that's how kings work. Exactly. I see (laughs) the big
0: beaming smile as you said. You said I could be king for a day. So okay, lay it on us.
1: All right, man. Here it is. Transit. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it's it's not just everyone says transit. Yeah, we know what you need in transit. But let me let me just. Point this out. Amazon said to Detroit, we got on the phone with Amazon, and they said, no, you are not even in our top 20. You're not even close. We're not even thinking about you. When you say why, they say you don't have enough talent here, and you won't be able to attract it because you don't have transit.
0: And what does transit mean? That can mean a lot of things. It it can. but You mean transit within the city and the, to the suburbs and back and forth. Yes. Yeah. Or are you talking about, wait, we have a wonderful airport now. So there's transit in and out of the community, but how do you get to it? Yes. That's okay. like the one of the yeah. only
1: airports in the world where yeah. you go down in the, you know, you <laughs> land in this beautiful airport right. and there's ground transportation. You go down there and there's like cabs and stuff, you know, I mean, Come on! Like, where's the train? Where's the express bus Now, there? I do have some express buses a little bit, but like, you have to find. It's hard to find and all that. Whereas you go to any other community and you go down there, and there's a train to downtown or a train to the center of the city or wherever you might want to go. Um, so transit can be more uh, uh, inner, you know, within a city, but also intra. You know, why isn't there um, a BRT line or uh, at least or, or maybe even a light rail? From Pontiac down to stops in Birmingham and Royal Oak, whenever, and goes to downtown Detroit.
0: What why? about connecting Ann Arbor? Absolutely.
1: Why isn't there, you know, right. we have a bus now, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started the week COVID started, so it hasn't gotten its ridership to where it needs to be yet. But, like, how do we not have a connection between U of M and the tech uh, hub that is Ann Arbor with downtown Detroit yeah, right, or up into Oakland County? And
0: transit's critical because specifically in this, in the context of what we're talking about,
1: why? So a couple of reasons. One, cost, right? So, you know, I don't know about you, but I've lived in Chicago and London and Boston cities where I didn't need to have a car. And I was able to get around just fine on the bus or the L or the tube or whatever it might be. And it saved me. I mean, you think about what you pay for your car—you know, a few hundred bucks in a car payment, plus gas, plus
0: insurance, plus the time it takes to park oh, and find a parking, parking space, the inconvenience, the yeah. inefficiency, the waste of time. Five, All six, seven hundred dollars yep. a yep.
1: month—that yep. I could be as a as a twenty-five-year-old. I could, you know, that's a lot of that's money. Big. We're talking about five, six grand a year. That's a lot of beer I could be drinking, yes, of course, you know, or, of course. Or,
0: <laughs> or or spending it on Main Street. The great shops spending on Main, it Street. On Main right, Street, right? Or
1: you know. Right financing my startup with it or who Mm -hmm. knows what else. Right. And the beauty is transit works for everybody. You never hear anybody Mm -hmm. in the community say, man, I don't wish, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not just a 25 year old with a computer science degree. It's somebody who lives in a neighborhood. You never hear him say, man, I I wish it were less convenient to get to my job, you know, or something like that. So, so that's a huge part of it. But secondly, it's because people tell us that's what they want. You go, you go talk to your customers, right? You use customer discovery. What do you need? What do you want? When you ask people, why did you move to fill in the blank? They almost always say transit was one of the you know the walkable urbanism, the ability to get around in a the community. They say that. Why don't why do we ignore our customers? Our customers are telling us they want it. Why wouldn't we build so it? So again,
0: okay, let me let me follow on that. We hear it. It's mm-hmm. obvious it is part of a big part of the answer. Mm-hmm. Amazon told us they might've otherwise considered us, but you yep. didn't have a good transit system locally. Correct. Why, why isn't something, I mean, I don't, I don't understand where the roadblock is to progress in this respect. Then I don't know, you Where's know, the it, breakdown? I
1: will tell you that if you really dig into it, people will say, well, the autos are opposed to it. That's not true at all. Um, you know, when you look back to 2016 it was the last time that we had a regional transit millage on the ballot, Ford was one of the biggest proponents of it. Um, you know, even Uber and Zipcar and, uh, you know, Lyft were proponents of it. You know, they didn't see it as, you know, their, their business goes up because they do last mile transit and, you know, things like that. So it's not a historic, uh, it's not a business, not a big business telling us we can't do it. I think somewhere in the back of our mind, we have a, we like cars Mm -hmm. kind of thing and we won't walk or whatever, but, but, but that's it. And we need to change that. We need
0: leadership to to say we got to fix it or we're dead in the water. Okay. Now, speaking of leadership, here you are outspoken as you are intelligent. You get it. You understand it. You've got strong opinions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're rooted in fact They're, as mm-hmm. you say, people are telling us that we need these things and so on yep. in order to be what we want to be. Um, where, where's your future and all Man. of this, we need you, we need you, uh, rattling the sabers and we need <laughs> you, uh, you know, being outspoken. We need more people like you speaking up and, and really, uh, getting to those that matter and count, with respect to getting the kind of change we need. Well, I
1: appreciate that. So, you know, when you build a startup, what do you do? You think about building a team, right? And you need people on that team with different skill sets. You know, I think I've gotten to the point in my life where I realized that rabble rouser is, is a pretty good role for me, professional rabble rouser. Um, so I will, you know, for the next five years, I will continue to rouse the rabble, uh, if you will. But, you know, we're gonna need some of the, the people who have the patience and the time and the, who to be elected to step up and say, this is gonna be my legacy. You know, um, and, you know, I think there are some folks like David Coulter, who's, you know, the executive sure. of Oakland, Oakland County, County yeah. is somebody who, who wants to, you know, could do this. I think he could. Yeah. I think that, you know, uh, Garland Gilchrist might step up and do it. I, I think Warren Evans could step up, uh, Mayor Duggan, somebody. I think it would be um, one of the biggest uh, transformations for Southeast Michigan in the, tw- in the, in the 21st century, which is now 22 years old. Uh, and that whoever st- stands up and leads that effort, uh, will be 50 years from now. We'll, we'll have a statue to that person. Wow. Uh, up there.
0: Ned Stabler for governor.
1: No, Definitely not.
0: <laughs> not, you're not going into politics. Uh,
1: I did that once. I ran for office like a dozen years ago. And, uh, I think I'm better r- raising rabble than I am, uh,
0: influencing rather than, inf- uh, yes. Yeah. yeah uh, indeed.
1: Indeed. Some, something about, you know, I, Telling, speaking the truth to power all the time isn't necessarily the best way to get stuff done. you got to build a team, right? Right, and so, get buy-in,
0: and we appreciate yeah. it very much. Look, it's good to have you in the community here, and um, you've got a good shot to have a statue of your own 50 <laughs> years from now. Keep keep going, man. I appreciate keep it. Going. That's my goal. I all want right. a statue. I love it. I love it, Ned. Thanks so much for being on the show and sharing your wisdom and views and vision with us, and uh, we'll check back with you regularly. Awesome. Thanks. Love thanks for having me. Good to have you on. All right, that wraps up this episode of the Inside Michigan Business podcast. Be sure to subscribe to receive programming notifications and special event announcements by going to InsideMichiganBusiness.com. Follow us on your favorite social media platform and wherever podcasts are downloaded. Thank you for listening.